0: Just a quick disclaimer before we get into the episode, um, this is not about the real men of Easy Company, this is about the show Band of Brothers. We are not disparaging the legacy and the campaigns of the actual men who fought in World War II. We are simply some friends who want to talk about Band of Brothers because it's our favorite show. And with that being said, enjoy the episode once again welcome back this is the second part of episode seven the final two-parter of fans and brothers thank you so much for uh listening and liking it and i will let you get right into the episode three, three. Well, this is okay i think before we before we sort of move back to like Toy and Bill. We need to just take really quickly, because this is the last time he speaks in this episode, to appreciate Robin Lang's accent.
1: Yeah. Yes. And how it's good so it is. Good.
0: Yeah. It's For so a Scotsman good. who, when he actually speaks, you can't understand a word he says.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's, he's not un, un- understandable He's just Scottish, but- <laughs> And that,
0: therefore, <laughs> ununderstandable. <laughs>
1: What's the sad part? Him skedaddling or me making jokes about it? No, but he's he's such The the accent coaching I cannot even believe like I can barely I can't even have one coherent accent. Like my accent is all over the place just from like speaking regularly Mm -hmm. I It's amazing
0: To train, to have such a specific American accent as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, because I was talking about this um, with Emma, I think, how, like, most of the time, if there's a movie or a show or anything set in Philly, like, the actors literally just do a New York accent. And, like, you can tell the difference when they're just doing a New York accent versus when they're trying to do a Philly accent. And Mm. that's just something that I really appreciate, that they went the extra mile to make it sound real.
1: Mm-hmm. If I were to say something like I am assuming I haven't heard like like the the real person Babe Heffron I haven't heard him speak a whole lot. It's basically the uh, the pre episode interviews and that's it. But that feels like me like a detail that was put in there to kind of pay homage because this mm-hmm. is also like an accent that doesn't really exist anymore. Like. As much as Philly accents still exist, the 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 really it feels very nineteen forties to me. Yeah,
0: it it has that that transatlantic quality. Yeah, that I think also. Um,
1: that old radio announcer voice
0: <laughs> that thing. that Fra- that Frank John Hughes really did a good job with as well.
1: Yeah, and I think it's one like w- what I'm trying to segue. Us into is talking the care that went into portraying real human beings, mm-hmm. which is so great. Like, it's so, so much. Um, and I feel like that this is just like one of those details that stands out to you because nothing is as unique to a person as the way we speak. Especially- like,
0: I was gonna say, because then, like, you have like a variety of like southern accents being mm-hmm. portrayed. Mm. Um, Donnie could have tried a little bit harder. <laughs> he <laughs> sounds like,
2: he sounds like someone who would have been in a boy band. Like,
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> Carlwood Lipton had a distinct Southern accent,
3: sir, and I know you spent time with him.
1: Yeah.
3: So. Not even just, like, a Southern accent, but, like, that very particular West Virginian twang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Their accent. And you
3: sound are- like.
0: Yeah. And you yeah. sound like you're from Boston and we're in a boy band.
1: <laughs> but if we're, if we're talking southern accents done right, Shifty Powers. Yes. Yeah. And think
0: about the distinction
2: between Shifty's accent and like Bull's accent. Like they're both from the yeah. south but yeah. they
0: sound completely different. It's yeah, like the then, myriad of like different areas. Yeah. yeah.
1: You have, who, who are the ones who have distinctive southern accents? It's Shifty Powers, Bull Randallman, Rock row. Rock row, um, oh God, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I've heard some people say that that's apparently not a good accent. As as a European, <laughs> I can say that it works for me, but I don't know if that is a good like. English isn't even my first language. I don't think that I am the target audience <laughs> here, or maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, but there is a range in accents. We can we mm-hmm. can on
3: that.
0: Like, you have that, like, very, like, mid, sort of, m- mid-Pennsylvania uh, flat accent of Dick Winters, where there isn't really much of one.
1: Mm.
0: But it has mm. a slight, it has a, there's a, there's that, like, slight Amish uh, twist with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that Pennsylvania, that Pennsylvania Dutch twist, I think, was
3: nailed. That accent? That... <laughs> He's not a
1: Quaker.
3: Um, He's Amish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: trying to think of, like, the ones that were supposed to be from Ohio, and if they sort of fit it. Um, Kleiner Hubler was supposed to be from Ohio, and so was Johnny Martin. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Yeah,
0: and then
1: Mack is from, like, upstate New York, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then we have Webster, who just kind of has what I like to call an upper-class American accent. Mm -hmm, Like, it is an American accent, but it's kind of
0: I thought I put a Webster embargo on this episode. I was <laughs>
1: <laughs> crying out loud. I don't get what you people have against him. I really don't.
3: And there's a no the one- leave that episode, which I, I don't know where to place that guy. That's just... Leave what
1: has a weird accent. That's he just... like a Scottish man trying to do an American accent.
0: <laughs> and that's precisely what Ross McCall did.
1: Yeah. Because... Um, but I, but like, I it's kind of wonder.
0: sounds a little
2: bit like he's from New York. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's supposed to be from San Francisco. Yeah, he's supposed
3: to be from California. Yeah. So I don't know.
1: It's it's weird. It's weird.
3: Well, like the fact that he sounds more like someone from New York than say, Private Hall, <laughs> from <laughs> Manhattan. Yeah. And just has mm-hmm. like a flat, that like, oh, what do they call it? The like standard American.
1: Yeah, like the Midwestern.
3: yeah they train it
0: to sound like you're from cleveland but that's not yeah. even how people from cleveland sound so
1: yeah but it's it's i, I sorry i could talk about accents forever it's, <laughs> it's yeah to
0: the point to the point i just want to commend robin for that uh excellent accent yeah. chef's kiss yes. it, yeah. is, it
1: like- is a perfect accent especially wow. for someone from britain um from Great Britain, doing a an American accent because a very specific do, American accent, a very mm-hmm. specific American accent because yeah. usually with British actors, the way that they get coached is kind of to just like sound American and it becomes this Cleveland esque accent, as Sa pointed out, like most of these people like uh Shane Taylor is also English, I think, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ross McCall is Scottish, and both of their accents are behind the train wrecks. <laughs> and so for, that's not to
0: say I, I again qualifying, Doc is one of my favorite characters.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I, I do not think that their accents hurt them at all. No. I don't think that I'm watching by the brother, and I'm going, Oh, this accent is taking me out of the moment. But it's just the difference with Babe Hefrom that his accent it brings so yeah. much it's such an addition to the character as a whole, which is what good accent training is supposed to accomplish.
0: In short, go to Robin Lang's accent coach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Robin
1: Lang, tell us who coached you.
0: But, Um, so, to get back on track. Yes. um,
1: Bill and Joe have lost their legs.
0: Yes, but also, like. That's me. (laughs)
1: Bill tries to haul Joe into
3: a foxhole by himself when Joe only has one leg. And at the same time, there are three men, lip, uh, I can't remember the other two, attempting to pull a tree off of Babe. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And the fact that this is happening, like, at the same time in the show always struck me as interesting. That, like, you know who really could have used your help? Joe Toy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah no toy really could have used a second or third person to get him into a foxhole until the second shelling had finished that really would have maybe been useful and you're pulling a tree off of Babe <laughs> while he makes jokes about the cover of his foxhole and I just the decision of that as a director whether it was Well,
0: I think think it sort of shows the hopelessness of the moment. Like, you're being pulled in a million different directions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. War is just about being in places at times. And either you're in the right place at the right time, or you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And Mm -hmm. there's only so much that training and and expertise can do to change that moment once it happens. Mm -hmm. Like, Hubler just was at the wrong place at the wrong time like he just didn't double check his gun that one time or it was the one time it was going to misfire and he had just put it in his pants so he died um joe toy just got back from the aid station one day too early and it killed him or like there's some time has passed but the point still stands bill was Mm -hmm. just trying to help a friend at the wrong time And Buck just got out of his foxhole either two seconds too late or two seconds too early, depending on how you look at it. Like, if he would have run out there the moment he heard them, they could probably have hauled Toy out of danger. But if he had gotten out, like, a few seconds earlier, he would also have been hit. Yeah. And then you have Babe, who got, like, a tree stuck on him, and... Three people just happened to be there to help him, and maybe that could have saved his life. Yeah, um, and then they
3: all ended up like diving into his
1: foxhole
3: when the second shelling happened. So, yeah. like, yeah, that was very lucky. And then, of course, there's this next scene wherein Luz is crawling across the ground, mm-hmm. at, not gonna, but be um, but. But this is and it's crazy to
0: think that this is still just like the halfway point of the episode because you also have in this second shelling um you have Lipton, who dives into an abandoned foxhole, which happens to be right next to Luz, so Luz is going to overhear the conversation with Dyke, mm-hmm. who runs away mm-hmm. and that's a that is I, that truly is a what the fuck moment. Yeah. Like you're right because, king. What the fuck?
1: Because even if Dyke didn't have the reputation that he did at this point, I'm gonna go for help. What what help could you possibly get?
0: We are at there the is, front line.
1: You're at the like, front line and there is death rained at us from above. Like, are you gonna get at help to get like a translator to ask the Germans to kindly stop? Like what, what is your plan here?
3: Yeah.
1: It's the just fact that like Lipton
3: would have taken that to the gr- Like if Luz hadn't been there. Yeah. Like Lipton no one ever would have known that Dyke had quite literally run away. Yeah. But Lipton
0: literally tells Luz to call for actual help. Yeah. And to let the let battalion know what actually happened. Because mm. who knows where Dyke went.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like w- Yeah, obviously you cannot trust him.
0: But then you see this... Thankfully, um, it doesn't show either, like, the physical act of Bill or Joe losing their legs, but it does cut to them laying there after the shelling is over. And Mm. Doc has gotten to them.
1: Mm -hmm. And And he's doing what little he can.
0: Mm -hmm. He is putting, like... uh, like a bed sheet, basically because that's what he still had for bandage he's putting bed sheet on toy's legs to cover it
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's he's making a tourniquet. he's trying to stop the bleeding he's getting a jeep and that's all there is to do and that's also really telling to me because you have george Laz, who also shows up in this scene and sees the two of them lying there on the ground bleeding out and it's, there's nothing he can do. There's nothing. At
0: that point it's only, um, and it's a very interesting implication because at that point it is only Toy. They had taken Bill.
1: Oh, right. Right. It's yeah, only Toy.
0: And he, he's like, I can't do anything here. And he's mm-hmm. frozen.
1: And um after, turns around yeah, um,
3: Yeah. And had come back from, like, attempting to talk to Buck as well. Mm-hmm. Right. It was also a good friend of his. So at this point, like Buck has broken. Buck is broken. Yeah. Bill is broken. Toy is broken. And George Les, who still hasn't been hit, is standing there like Yeah. What do you like what do I do? Yeah. Like how how do you even deal with that?
1: Yeah. And then to kind of dog on the tragedy that is George Leslie Luz- staying out of, staying out of trouble and not getting hurt, um, a while later we have the scene where Skip and Pankala get hit. And again,
0: Oh, I was gonna say, like, that happens right after because we, because we do see a broken Buck, as Laura was saying. Mm -hmm. Buck is taken off the line. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, um, he can't
1: yeah. do it anymore. We have a thousand yard stare, ladies and gentlemen. We have a man who finally lost his mind. Um, and I think, because, because again, this was Buck's worst nightmare. This is what we see him doing at the beginning of the episode. He's going around telling all these people, telling Bill specifically, not to get in trouble. And what does Bill do? Bill goes out to rescue a man who lost a leg, despite knowing that there is very little he can actually do to help him. Because he cares about his friend.
0: I think this shows... It does show a bond and how they were so willing to help each other, but it Mm. also shows the consequence of attachment.
1: Yeah. For like
0: like seven people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And how you learn how to deal with that. And how,
0: like... Yeah, it's like... Because Malarkey loses, like, five people. He loses, like, four or five people.
1: In one episode.
0: Yeah. And they all lose him in return. Um, Because they never really flesh out the relationship between Joe Toy and Malarkey, but that one was a very strong one. Mm -hmm. Um, They were very close. He was very close with Bill Garnier, but, like, he has to he literally has to go on, and he says at the beginning of the episode, he had, he you push on, but you have trouble in later life, because you lose these people.
1: Yeah. And, like, the because there's no, there's no coming back from that moment. And even in the cases where it wasn't the worst of the worst, i.e. Toy and Ganya didn't die. They, quote-unquote, just lost their legs. Um, but, Um, it's still witnessing that happening and watching these people lie there on the ground just completely broken and completely, like, literally broken, it's gonna fuck you up, Mm -hmm. pretty much. And I've always very, very, very much loved that monologue that Lipton does, where it's like, they say that um, officially... Buck was taken off the line for a really bad case of trench it said nothing about him losing his friends Mm -hmm. whereas clearly everyone knows that Buck can deal with trench he cannot deal with seeing Joe Toy and Bill Gunnay lying on the ground presumably dead for all he knew Mm -hmm. that moment will never be removed from his mind
0: and then just in the in the hospital in the field hospital how he like he can't even listen to his own letter
1: yeah because again the letter is like the letters he gets from home is like oh we're hoping you're teaching all the boys baseball like it's so detached from what he's actually experiencing and it's kind of like we are supposed to be young men learning how to play baseball like we are not supposed to go through this shit um kind of like what muck says i think it's in the first episode or the second episode where it's like what are you doing here well i was back at home having a good time but then hitler started this whole thing so now i'm here Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like these men just got or or the monologue that that webster holds at the end of his episode where it's like what the fuck are we doing here Mm -hmm. why did you drag us over the ocean disrupt our lives and have half of us killed just for for what this is entirely pointless and it's one of those moments where like laura said the arbitrary nature of war
0: yeah and you know we well that's it was very very good but then we do you know You have these people barely recovering from that, Mm -hmm. and you know, you this time you see it affect George Luz, Mm -hmm. wherein he was sharing his foxhole with Pincala and Muck, he was spending his time with them. And he, you know, uh, well, it starts with him doing his dyke impression to like that sort of group, and you know, just trying to make
1: the light,
0: light, light of the situation as best he can, and uh, literally, I think it's a very, it's a very interesting choice where he flicks the cigarettes and that's the moment that the, like, the shelling starts.
1: Yeah. And but then, yeah, and then we see him desperately scramble for safety.
0: And literally, just that, like that visual of Pencalla and Muck peeking over their foxhole, and then you you see them get blown to bits.
1: And there's nothing left; they're just gone.
0: Even even in the midst of a shelling, then crawling into Lipton's foxhole, still as best as he can, and you hear the break in his voice saying that Muck and Pencalla were hit
1: directly. Yeah, and I think it's telling that if I remember correctly this is the last impression that George does Mm -hmm. and because George and Muck were like Luz and Muck were the two jokesters of Easy Company. Muck was the one with the dry very Chandler Bing sense of humour and George Luz was the one doing all the impressions and kind of mocking their superiors and playing grab Fanny with the man in front of you. Like it's very much Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of, he has that energy and then he mocks Dyke and then they lose the other comedian and it's like George it's just cannot be that person anymore. Yeah. Um, and it also tells me something like, I'm thinking about the moment where he sees Toy and Gane on the ground and in a later episode again the Webster episode where (laughs) Lipton there are only like two episodes after this like three episodes after this it's not my fault that I keep quoting the same ones over and over again but where Lipton has pneumonia and he's also kind of dying Mm low-key just you know low-key perishing on a sofa and um Webster comes in and he's like shouldn't you be like flying, like, shouldn't you be, like, resting and just, and Les is like, what do you mean? He's got a blanket, he's in a house, he's snuggled yeah. a bug in a rug. Because obviously, George Les has seen what this war can really bring.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like,
1: he's just lost it at that point.
0: Well, they all, they all have, and that's, like, you know, when got like, we're in the, we're in a house, we don't need the winter shoe packs anymore. We're yeah. fine.
3: Yeah. Because this or Malarkey, like, well, why, you know, why haven't the Germans come across the river? Malarkey's like, what do you not understand? Like, they're in houses, just like we're in houses. Nobody wants to ruin this good thing we have going for us. Meanwhile, this house is being like shaken apart by shelling, and they have to run down to the basement every five minutes. But like, this is living for them. Yeah. this in so comparison better. to the to, absolute shit show of, like, sitting in the field hospital trying to read Buck the letters from home and giving a cigarette to Joe Toy after he's gotten his legs blown off. And, yeah. like, Malarkey is just trying to do everything he can mm-hmm. for his friends, and it's never enough. Like, it's and, just never enough. And Lipton and sort of takes on
0: the the he had already had the mantle of you know the caretaker but he really like ups his his tactics and he's like talking to like every man to make sure that he is not losing it
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also like the moment where um to kind of backpedal a little bit where love does go does his impression And Lip is like, that's that's a good impression. Don't do it again. Because he's like, Mm -hmm. we need to keep this morale up. We cannot, like, even as much as we despise this person, this is going to murder us from the inside if we let this get out of hand. Like, someone's going to end up killing Dyke. And that cannot happen.
0: The, The moment where Lipton gives malarkey skips rosary.
1: Yeah. And later, Hubler's Luger.
0: Yeah, and he's like, there's just something. The fact that he's getting these two relics at this point of Mm -hmm. his friends. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just like, you take those in with such reverence and you're like, you can't let these go. Yeah. It's like having the, that piece of them, especially of monks.
2: Yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean that's literally like all that's left of him mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: is that that piece of that piece of rosary, that cross on it.
1: Yeah, and then you have like all of the religious meaning. Like he carried that with him in the hopes that if I die, I might get to heaven and we might see each other again. Like it's not. Very symbolic thing, and this that having that kind of faith gives you.
0: And I think this calls back to um, episode six as well, where you know they're having mass, and mm-hmm. Muck makes the comment, "If we die, we're going to die in the state of grace."
1: Yeah, and then like he, does.
0: he was absolved.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, if God can forgive war muck probably ends up in heaven
0: but they do have to keep pushing and they do have to make the assault on foy despite it all yeah um and Um, just the fact that lipton goes to dick as we said before and is like i don't think dyke can do this i don't think he um, can do this
1: yeah he's gonna get a lot of more breaking point Mm. And also, like, wh- and uh, there's nothing that winners can do, which is also insane because that's the way that the army works. He can't just go like, I know that this man is unsuitable. How do you know? Well, because I, fra- because I know, like, I've because I've seen him over the past month and a half. Um, and either way, Buck is gone, so there's no one to replace him with. Yeah, and even if Buck hadn't been gone, like I mean, we're kind of put into into questioning how suitable of a leader he would have been anyway, because he was that close to fucking losing it. Like that responsibility just might have broken him. Um, I
3: like that uh, the the like ways that they kind of show everyone's breaking points, and that Lipton's is. Uh, taking up smoking and also mm-hmm. taking up questioning his superiors. <laughs> like, yeah. nerd. 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 Such a nerd. Uh, you know, George Luz's breaking point is like, I can't do any more impressions and like Malarkey is just like a full on just, he the, has now depressive down episode. Yeah. And like Buck yeah. just ends up off the line and Linton's like, <laughs> breaking point is I just can't with my superior officer anymore.
1: I've got to go rat out my boss.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I'm now chain-smoking outside
1: of CP. Like, also, the, I'm now chain-smoking George Luz's cigarettes. Like, he never has yes. cigarettes. He's just stealing from his pal. Yep. Which, again, nerd. I did that for, like, six years. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, like, I buy my own cigarettes. I am a grown-up woman. Um, I don't smoke. Um, well, that's the real grown-up. That's smart. That's the, yeah taking care of your lung health. Also, true. quick question. Yeah.
3: yeah? Why is it that, like, Damien Lewis was like, how can I show that I am really cold? Oh, yeah. I will make my voice too <laughs> often higher than it has been for the whole rest of the time. I literally wanted okay. to bring this
2: up. He looks... Like, I know they all are supposed to look like bad because they're so, like, tired and, you know, their hair is longer. He looks so much worse yeah. than everybody yeah. else. He just looks
0: like he's on the brink of death <laughs> at all times. I joke that Damian <laughs> Lewis looks like an alien, but, like, really. The like, alien
3: he, jumps the out. In episode six in Bastogne, when uh, Doc Rowe is walking out to the foxhole to go check on Babe, and he walks by Winters, and I had to rewind seven times, because I was like, there's no way that that's Dick Winters, because that looks like a dead person, it looks and like, it is, it's Winters, in his foxhole, he is blue, <laughs> like, he is straight well, up this blue. Is-
0: well, I la- this is what I-, I wonder because it's a sound stage. Did they like purposely like make it
1: cold? I, I- like to, I like to imagine. Okay, here's my theory. I don't know how Damian Lewis acts. I don't know if he's a method actor, but I do like the idea that he went real method <laughs> for this one and just like like brought in a freezer that he would sit in. For you know, he had a in a cryo
2: chamber. <laughs> He said "He said to Donnie, he was like, yo, I know your brother has a cryo recovery chamber. Do you think you can hook me up with that?
1: Can, he like, can we like get okay, it shipped just, to set?' Just to give some context for, for the listeners here, right before we started this podcast, we googled uh, Mark Wahlberg's schedule. Because apparently every day he likes to take a, a refreshing cryo nap, what was
0: it? a cryotherapy session whatever
1: yeah, yeah so headcanon now that that donny made mark take his cryo chamber over there <laughs> so that dick winners could be really cold
0: it's like <laughs> did cryotherapy exist in in the year 2000 no probably not it was just sugar ray that's all that 2000 was <laughs> they didn't have cryotherapy <laughs> No, no. But
1: in we did have cigarette so that Dick Winters <laughs> could be cold. No, but then like he's so shivering. I like, I love the scene. Yeah. Sorry, every scene <laughs> with Dick and Nixon in the breaking point because Nixon is just like having a good time. Like it's just really chill, and Dick looks like he's... <laughs> Shivering. There is head.
0: like a definite, like, there's a definite, like, um, difference in the acting in that. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah, but, but Damien Lewis looks like a crazy person. Okay. Yeah, just to, like, and his
3: voice is so <laughs> high. <laughs> like,
1: he couldn't shiver on command, so he was just like, oh, Okay, I mean, not to, not to, not to bust out this card, but I know cold. Okay. I okay. grew up within like an hour and a half from the polar circle. I know cold. And that's what happens to you when you get cold. When you like, get like that cold? When you so, get that cold. Spot on, Timmy Lewis. This is not a joke. I used to walk seven kilometers to school every morning at like 6 a.m. in minus 27 degrees.
3: Was it uphill okay. both ways?
1: Okay, boomer. Because I was 14 and I was insane. And that's what happens to you when you lose... It's about when you lose the feelings in your thighs. That's when your voice does that. It's insane, but it happens.
0: But then he shouldn't have been shaving so much.
1: But Okay, I read (laughs) something somewhere about the shaving that it was, like, to, like, bring up morale or something. Yeah.
3: No, everyone else was getting furry. Get furry. It's okay. Because he he was dick winners. Like, he had to... He was the epitome of, so everyone looked up to him and he was like, well, I guess I gotta keep a clean face because that at least shows some sort of normalcy to all of what is happening right now. Mm -hmm. I think is, I think that was his reasoning, right? That like, Mm -hmm. it was the one routine that everybody had. So he had to shave in
1: minus 10 degrees. I, I found the quote. So it's from Winters. It doesn't say which book, but I'm guessing it's Ambrose's book. That was the one thing that I did to set an example for the men. Shave in the morning, and once in a while I would strip to the waist and give myself a French wash. A routine that also caught everyone's attention. I did this for one reason, and one reason only. To get the men's attention and to let them know that I was going to be around for a while, and that this wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. Make the best of it.
0: Dick winners in the middle of the forest, giving himself mm-hmm. a horse bath,
1: a French bath, <laughs> a French wash. A French. Bar. Anyway, um, okay. So, <laughs> are we ready to talk the attack on Foy? I think we are. I think we've done
0: enough preamble.
1: We've done enough comic relief. Um, um it's so the, attack on Foy? the the
0: the shooting of this scene is so chaotic yeah. by design. I think.
1: Yeah. Yes.
3: Um, oh, but before we get into Foy, yeah. <laughs> winners telling Dyke what's gonna happen in Foy and what yeah. to do, and Dyke yawning at the end of it is so extra.
1: <laughs> it is very on brand. It's
3: just so on brand that winners is like, "You got it, you good," and Dyke's like, "Yep, got it." Whee! Like
1: yeah, can do it.
3: That was me getting
0: ready to do this today. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I do I have to do?
1: Episode seven, fun times. Right. Um, yeah. um then
3: the disaster that is.
1: Yeah. But I mean, we talked about it again because Laura and I were both in episode three together. There we kind of talked about imagine having a CEO like Albert Blythe. Imagine having someone who just mm-hmm. chokes the moment they get to battle. They choke, they get their puppy eyes on, and they just cannot deal with it. This is what happens when they attack Foy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because Dyke... The
3: man kneels down in the middle of the field.
1: Yeah, because Dyke's just like, we're gonna stay here, and then we're gonna run over here, and then we're gonna retreat? Like, we're just gonna run back over this field? Are you insane? you've committed now this is the point of no return you've passed it like the line is way back there
0: like literally like sending like first platoon to like the right but like having to hide behind something because they have no clear direction beyond that yeah and like third platoon don't even fucking know where they are just know that you know second platoon ends up in a field behind a hay bale
1: yeah yeah Look, oh my god, my heart clenches every time I see them crouch down behind these, like, boxes or whatever it is, like these fence gate things, and there's just no protection. Like, they might as well mm-hmm. be hiding behind, like, a barbed fence for all the protection this is giving them. It's such an actual slaughter. Like, there's no the, other good example of it. Like, like way to say it, because they're just dying. The
0: sort of, um, the slow-mo scene of Dyke really losing it when he's sitting there, and mm. everyone's yelling at him, because mm-hmm. you have, like, you have Lipton yelling in his face about needing to keep moving, you have Foley, who's like, what are we doing, and then you have winners on the radio with him.
1: mm mm-hmm.
3: And Les being like, you need to talk to Winters. Yeah.
1: Like, you have to let someone, like, for fuck's sake, I can't yell at you, but hopefully Dick can.
0: Yeah, and like, Dick in the forest, who was like, yelling commands at them, because he's like, these are my guys, and you're about to get them killed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These are my men. Um...
0: Like, never mind, you have, like, two other companies behind you that are technically your men, but you have your men out there.
1: Yeah. About to all His die. Um, and then we have the moment where he tags Space in because he's, like, hopefully, like, I picture this as a moment where he's, like, I have decided to, that this is enough evidence that I can just get, Dyke like, out of that position like i have mm-hmm. decided that uh, this is enough to demote him um and apparently like spears wasn't even chosen because he was a good officer he was just literally the first person that dick saw when he turned around and he was like you get in there yeah. save my men and then in comes ronald spears the fucking cryptid yeah. of a man like rip to this rip to dog company you're without a leader now like. yeah like it, it, dear god. And then he comes through, it's so ridiculous, he comes through this plume of smoke. Yes. Like, And he
3: also ducks out of the way of uh, a, like, shell that is going by. <laughs>
1: yeah. This and is really, like, if we're talking myth-making, yeah. you don't get a bigger myth than Ronald Spears.
0: And just the the way that he, like, with ease and just, like, calmly, like, Re- reassesses the plan and is like, okay, nope, we're scrapping that, we're doing this instead yeah.
1: this is, um, I mean, this is a good leadership, he comes in and he's like, we need to do something and I'm gonna do it someone tells me to go in there, okay, I'm going I'm running across this field I'm s- taking command, okay, where are we Lipton? give me a brief, okay, let's go, and then he just does what needs to be done um, yeah which goes very well along with what we've seen of, of Spears along like up until this point and from here here on out is that he's the guy who does what he needs to do. Like, okay, I need to give myself a badass reputation. I guess I'm gonna commit a war crime because that's what I need to do. I yeah. need to like stop these men from gossiping too much about me, so I'm gonna start showing up when I hear <laughs> that they're doing that. I need mm-hmm. to save this, both save this assault and save these people. So what do I do? I run through the occupied square of this town because I need to hook up with I-Company. And that's just the case. Yeah. It's good soldiering.
3: And it, it stems from this idea that, like, he's already dead. Like, they're... Yeah. Yeah. That everyone's on borrowed time so you just do what you have to do and you don't even think about it you're just like oh yeah i have to hook up with iCompany. company they're on the other side of town that's fine i'm fast enough but it, it'll it's yeah cool.
1: yeah i mean yeah. for a guy talking so much shit he really really does live up to the standard he sets for himself at least within the context of the show
0: i mean can you is it really like and this is like you know is it bragging if it's true
1: That's very true. This is bragging if it's true. Because Space does brag a lot. Maybe not on his own, but he is a braggadocious motherfucker. But he's also a pretty, like, good soldier and a good officer. And I appreciate
3: that.
0: The, 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 it's such a, because, like, they, it is literally just, like, a King of the Hill situation, where once they get to Foy, they do just, like, take the people that they didn't end up killing with mortars, or, like, Mm -hmm. like, long-range rifle shots, like, okay, you guys are prisoners
1: now. Once they get in there, it does seem like, and again, this could be, like, just a matter of of actual runtime for the show, like, we don't have the time to show the actual assault on Foy, but it does seem like it's pretty one-and-done once they actually get in there. Um, mm-hmm. because also, like, this implication that iCompany has just been chilling in this city, like, because Ron yeah. runs over a wall, and apparently they're just there, like, were th- what were they waiting for? Were they yeah, just- I, the,
3: they were just attacking the other side of the city, this is the problem, I love... Band of Brothers for the fact that they stuck with Easy Company the whole time. It's mm-hmm. one of the issues that I have with the Pacific is that they switch between groups so much that, like, you really never get mm-hmm. that camaraderie that you do with Band of Brothers. But the problem with sticking with Easy Company is that no one understands that, like, I, Company was actually doing the same thing from the other side of the city. They had just gotten there first because they had appropriate, uh, a good CO, and they had appropriate leadership that, like, but it was, like, the same thing happening from the other side. Which is, like, which is such a weird thing because when,
0: going back to, like, Dyke, he's like, attack it from the rear. It's already been! That would just be, like...
1: That just makes it so much worse.
0: At that it's, point, just call iCompany and say, come through. Like, let's link up. Like, that's...
1: Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: But, um, Post, you know, they take all these prisoners, but then they still have a sniper to deal with.
1: Yeah. And then it's um, time for Shifty, like, shifta to come in.
0: Don't miss Shifty. Don't miss yeah. Shifty.
1: And there's, there's like, another moment where it's like, Shifte loss what do your southern eyes see where it's like there is <laughs> like, um that was a really shitty joke that i forgot to chew hornio earlier so i'm going to do it now
0: but i love how he was like uh well you know it it worked for spears i guess i'll start running
1: yeah <laughs> lipton is like he he sees he assimilates he adapts he's like this is the new tactic now we're running let's go <laughs> Um, War has
0: changed.
1: Yeah, and Shifty doesn't miss. Shifty Powers, the best gun in the goddamn army.
0: To quote, uh, to quote, uh...
1: Oh, God. Who are we quoting?
0: Oh, my God, I don't remember his name. Oh, to quote Tim Gutterson, I don't miss.
3: Shifty doesn't miss. Yeah, that's good. Um, Although it's funny because in the book Shifty talks about the fact that they like his gun was kind of a piece of crap for all that time, and then they got him a new one, and he was like, "I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with this new gun." So I think that was like one of the last shots that Shifty took. Like, talking about, like, like, Shifty versus, like, Shifty in the show, like, that was one of the last ones that probably- Well, it's like when
0: you, when you replace, like, like, some sort of, like, old reliable, and then the new one is, like, not up to snuff.
1: Yeah, it's up. And also, like, because I'm assuming that he'd had that gun for some time, like, just having Mm -hmm. to reacquaint yourself with a gun in the middle of, like, the end phase of a war is probably not the best idea.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I think mm. the reason he did it was because there was like a ding on the old gun and he kept getting gigged for it during like morning Inspection. exercises. So he's like fine, I'll get a new gun. That's what and he, then he just do, like that. didn't shoot. So
0: but the yeah. um but he doesn't miss. Yeah.
3: He never and never he's the sniper. Like can you imagine being that camera guy like, "Oh, look at how happy we are." And then like two people get it in the face.
1: Yeah.
0: And you get that on camera? On camera.
1: It's just they happen to be in the wrong place at the at wrong time. time. The episode after it's like, again, it's like I'm a guy lost. gets shot carrying one sack of potatoes from one house to another. Like, sometimes you just have a bad day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, war, arbitrary
0: the nature of war.
1: The mm-hmm. arbitrary nature of war. There we go. Um. Yeah, Me. but then uh, Perkami got shot in the ass, so that's fun.
0: Yeah, he made it.
1: I think that's funny. Um, <laughs> I think the way he like he's, he's
0: like he's being Uh-oh. carried by bull. Yeah,
1: and in come, comes Bull man's taxi service. I'm gonna carry this boy to safety. <laughs> I will
0: carry all the little men in the company.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna carry this boy all the way to Risham.
3: Like, yeah. I'm gonna to carry a him. Two times later, somehow, Percanti is still with the company, <laughs> laying on a stretcher, <laughs> with a shot ass. I don't- I can't- Um, I can't understand. Yeah, but I,
1: but I think, think we, we do, do need to, to-
0: The- ah, oh, man, let's talk shop Let's talk the church scene. Let's talk this- this sequence.
1: <laughs> the church scene, yep.
0: Okay. So
1: (laughs) where it's just like a a a best of reel of all our favorite people dying or being horribly wounded.
0: And this this okay, so like the the disappearances, because it does start with like a sweeping shot of like everyone that remains, but then Mm. the next sort of pan of the camera is of the people that they lost. And we talked about this in episode three, where malarkey goes back for the clothes and you see the names of people that didn't even make it back and Mm. and in some cases didn't even make it to normandy and so seeing their faces is less impactful but when you have you know people who even maybe hours ago were there you still in your mind they're with you
1: yeah and it's really like a weird callback to that moment with Um, muck and Pankala, where they were there and then they were not there and that's it that's a life just and
0: and it's sort of seeing lipton like visualizing if he had his full company Mm -hmm. if he still had joe toy yeah
2: the first time i watched it i thought and like they had that shot of everyone I thought that they were still like alive and that I had just like made some kind of mistake in my brain I was like, Oh no, they didn't die and then they
0: disappeared. And I was like, okay, now I'm sad again. Yeah. yeah. It's like he's he's still seeing his men with him.
1: Yeah. I remember being a kid and like never watching the like I I barely even watched these episodes because I was like eleven and I couldn't deal with this but especially that church scene like god that fucked me up for a Mm -hmm. long time like it really this show taught me much of what i know about like appreciating the value of human life and like for a show about war it really does a good job of trying to explain why we should never go to war ever again
0: and just like the, you know, uh, rightfully so, just the dejected looks on everyone's faces,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that they're just—it's just the exhaustion and how they're finally thinking, "Oh, we're, we're, we're getting some relief. We're getting off the line," but they're not. Yeah, they are taking another trip to France.
1: Yeah, and Spielberg did because I'm assuming that Spielberg directed this episode, he, the power in the direction here, please look it up. I'm just assuming that it's Spielberg, but whoever directed these couple of episodes, like the power in that moment, because Lipton says that hearing this choir sing, it was heaven. And like you as the viewer, you feel that. You feel that moment of tranquility and safety where it's like, um, thankfully our guys are finally
0: in a it safe was- Directed by Dave Frankel. Okay. And then written by Frankel, Graham
1: Yost. I salute you, because that was brilliant. Um, it's being able to create that kind of connection between what you're seeing on scene and, like, whenever you have a character telling you what emotion they're feeling, that's usually, like, a no-go, because you're not supposed to do that, because if the audience doesn't then also feel the same thing, that is a horrible moment. But for me, it's always been, like, that sense of going from Bastone and Boisac and Foy into this church where there's a choir and there are like just these women singing and what like there is such almost like a culture shock moment that is really really neat
3: and the like warm tones too mm. so from the, such- the
1: the candlelight
0: yeah. The contrast, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um,
3: and then like, everyone, which I get is because of the warm tones, but everyone looks so much more alive than they have for the last two episodes. Yeah. With, like, being in and being so cold, and the fact that nobody looks good in Snowlight. light. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, you <Yeah>. get that. <laughs> the, the, these. Your face, and then they pan across these guys, and you see – like Babe, and I think it's McClung are joking about cigarettes, and yeah, like everyone just looks so. I mean, I can literally pick Babe out of a crowd at this point. Like, I every time I go back and watch mm. And of Brothers, I watch it with like a different uh character yeah. in mind. yeah. Um, I do the same so, thing, yeah. But so, then, the last time I watched it, it was Babe, um, but that's also so amazing. I know every single like scene that he's in. But the fact that, like, they're joking around and they're like, no, these are my cigarettes, and it's just, like, this cute little camaraderie between a group of them, and they all look so alive. I, like, love that.
1: I, I just want to, sorry, completely break the moment here and talk about you being able to spot Babe Heffron out of a crowd. I think that's amazing, considering that Robin Lang fucking shapeshifts in this series. Like So does Doc. So yeah, does yeah, fucking. But if you if you yeah. look at a collage of Robin Lang in the in Band of Brothers, it's not even the same person. Oh, like, do might talk just
3: about Robin Lang? Let's talk about Smokey. Like you want to talk no. about someone who looks like <laughs> a a person with a beard. He looks well, good Gordon, in green paint. Please don't ever shave your beard. Because um, Smokey doing the, like, poem in the end of episode three versus Smokey drinking his morning coffee in front of his machine gun in Bastone. It took me mm-hmm. probably seven, like, seven watches to realize that that was the same person and he's just that much hotter with a beard.
0: Like Or, or, or,
1: Maria's face blind. Um... No! I am <laughs> not, I am not face blind! I can I can send you a picture. We we're going to have to like whenever this goes up, I'm going to give you a link to post at the in the description of this where I can just send you a picture of all of his faces.
0: And they but they don't fundamentally change.
3: No, he just grows facial hair and gets dirty. They look very different dirty. They all get dirty. That's I know. the thing. Okay.
0: But I, but okay, we're talking about another shapeshifter and that is Shane Taylor. He yes. it, but that's in every part of the series. His face always looks different.
1: I have now sent you a picture in the chat <laughs> on Discord. With the collage that I made and these are all the same person. I don't understand how this Yes, happened. they are.
0: Yeah,
3: they are. They are. No, but they he looks like a million different people. I would argue the top left looks different, but in that scene, Shane Taylor also looks like a different person with the hat on because they're all like face scrunched.
1: So,
0: also they look. But like? again, they, Shane they Taylor
1: they always look looks like a, like a different they person. they went to Austria and packed on a couple of pounds. Like all of them just looked. They
3: probably different. did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they all lost so much weight sitting in Bastogne with no food, digging box holes.
1: <laughs> like very true. Okay, fine. I all right step back on this robin thing <laughs> always looked like the same person no we Never i not. get it
3: they all like that's i remember that's the first like, time when i watched this show being like are these all the same people and my dad being like i don't know i pff, beats me <laughs> and nowadays i can like pick i can pick them out because you have just like they're yeah know. But then we have this baby in the background for literally three the, seconds. The, yeah. the, these um
0: these couple of episodes, like six, seven, and eight, sort of all end with these, like, strangely romantic interactions. Like, we, we went on and on and on in the last episode about you called me babe. And okay. how that's, like, and just, like, that whole interaction between them and the, the tenderness and the care that... Uh, sort of vibrates between them and then in this one you have the whole hell it was you first sergeant and the (laughs) soft lighting and just the way that he's looking that that uh spears is looking at lipton is just like are we intruding on a moment the expression
2: on lipton's face is so funny though he just looks like completely dead
0: He's like doing like math in his head. And Spears is like, I'm flirting with you.
1: I think that this moment is really sweet because it is the moment of they've just lost Dyke, right? And thank God for small mercies, as Picante says. And I never understood that if that was like to imply that Dyke had died or if they just didn't have to deal with him anymore. Like I never understood that moment. But I just see this as the moment where the entire problem with Dyke or like one of the many problems with Dyke as we've gone through is the fact that he didn't care for the men and the men didn't care for him mm-hmm. and I think that in a weird way this is kind of Lip and Space checking each other's footing on that part where Lip is like if you're gonna show up here and you're gonna be like this oh real hard ass like cool guy walking around trying to make a myth out of himself I'm not sure if this is going to work out and Spears is like I very much know who's in charge here and I respect you for that Lipton where it's kind of like Spears is checking in with Lipton and kind of showing that you know even if I technically outrank you I still see you as this person who has been leading this company for a long time and I'm gonna show you the respect you deserve, even if you don't recognize yourself that you need this respect.
3: But also that he just sees him. Like yeah. Yeah. if you compare it to, oh, where are you from? Yeah. yeah. So Lipton, yeah. you
1: lived in? Do you
0: genuinely him? like like genuinely looking at him? Yeah. yeah because, ob-
1: because obviously space has he's had to have heard all of these tales about Lipton taking care of Easton Company. He has to have heard that from somewhere. And so he already has taken more care than Dyke did in, like, two months with this company. But also and, the,
3: the myth of Spears as someone who might shoot you versus, like, the myth of Lipton as, like, who, person yeah. who just wants
1: to give you a hug. As, like, Mama Bear. Um yeah. And yeah, I don't know. it's. Sorry, weird. I interrupted you, no, 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 you didn't at all it's it's but fun. this
0: is this is one of those like like i said these these couple of episodes just sort of end in a very sweet, bordering, romantic way between two characters, yeah, I guess I'm just, yeah. Like, cause then you have, you have this like, I guess you could interpret it in that way between, um, gotten Webster in episode eight mm-hmm. of finally being welcomed back in the offering of the hand. Like there's no words exchanged there, but that's like just a gesture.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're pretty, at this point, we're pretty starved for just some general like male Kindness mm-hmm. between, like, and and because it's also so unusual to see those moments, and I think that's what makes *Band of Brothers* such a special series, and like that holds such a special place in your heart is that you have these men who are like really battle-hardened, like l- literally the toughest of the toughest, and you we still get to see these soft interactions between them, like we get to see Spears essentially calling someone else his superior even when he's really not and that's like the hardcore death machine that is Ronald Spears. We get to see um the medic Eugene Rowe both with um Renee at first like having that moment of like seeing each other and being like recognizing this, this yeah recognizing someone who's working their ass off to save someone and then having the moment with Babe where it's like well, that person that I related to just died, so I guess I'm gonna relate to you now. Or it's not exactly that, but yeah, having that moment where it's like you called me, babe. Like, okay, yeah, we're friends now. It's sweet to be able to see these moments of, I guess, male friendship in a war show. It's very, very yeah. refreshing.
0: I mean, because that's like the whole the whole point of it is to show that they're brothers, but they um they show more of like. They do a good job in the balance of like showing the the brotherhood of battle and also between mm-hmm. these like smaller interactions. Like every interaction between winners and Nixon is
1: a mm-hmm. sweeter,
0: softer, kinder sort of mm-hmm. interaction.
1: Yeah, and in this episode, like even the moments where like where Malarkey goes to Buck and he kind of sees that you're all fucked up now, so I'm not. I'm gonna like try to help you. And when he says goodbye to him, or the moment where Luz sees Toy on the ground and Lipton is just there, like, it's okay, it's going to be fine, you can just kind of leave now. Um, And when Malarkey gets both the cross and the Luga, and it's, it's like these little moments of kindness, kind of again, like throwing back to episode three where we had Blythe going through all of these moments of people being hard to him and then people being kind to him and seeing that the kind moments really did matter as much as like these real hard ass, um, just pure military moments. Yeah. Because that's what makes the difference between just like a company of soldiers and a band of brothers.
0: Oh damn. Oh, oh damn <laughs> I a little
1: singer in there every now and then. I say something that's just like that's that's a cheese. That was
0: a that was a good monologue
1: though. Off, oh, good... oh. I just keep rambling on about things, and I think very deep, but I'm probably
0: not. But this, but this scene is a very good example of that, and plus, you know, just cinematically, yeah, it's it's beautiful, and it really sets a tone.
1: Yeah, and you also like you really like. Bastogne was a hard episode but there was this kind of feeling of hope in between Rene which then got crushed obviously but that was a, a, a scene of normalcy just like
2: mm-hmm.
1: two people in the same field of work essentially meeting each other going this is all fucked up and kind of bonding over that yeah um, being like I see that. you yeah, I, that I see you moment. And then she dies, and then that's all fucked up. And then you have the bonding moment with Babe, which has kind of been like a recurring theme throughout the episode of, I guess, like Babe trying to become his friend, kind of like in the way that mm-hmm. Ralph Spiner tries to become Eugene's friend. And has like the moments of, like, What are you going to do after the war? Like, I think I'm done with playing Doctor. But mm-hmm. you can't stop doing that right now. And then you have the moment in. This episode where Lipton struggles so hard with this commanding officer who just doesn't seem to give a shit about the company or about the men or about the stakes Mm -hmm. at play here. And then you have Ron Spears who from literally from moment one with EC shows that he is willing to do whatever it takes to keep these men alive. Um, like mm-hmm. he's gonna run through whatever field he has to. He's gonna put himself in whatever danger he has to, if that's what needs to be done. He's gonna do it. And then to also have that man recognize his place in yeah. in the company as like, yeah, sure, I'm the guy who like like even if Ron was the guy who who helped them take volume, they couldn't have done it without without him. La da da Lipton was the man who. Kept EC sane up until this point. If it hadn't been for Lipton, there would not have been a company to take Foy with. Yeah, and to see that recognized is nice.
0: And that th- I do like how they like they do. <sighs> the first half of the ep- the first half of the series is very like um you sort of are left with a couple more cliffhangers are mm-hmm. not cliffhangers but like a bit more um i don't know there's a bit more neg there there are more positive episodes but they're left on like a uh, sourer notes if that makes sense and then the mm-hmm. second half of the series you have sour sort of unpleasant episodes that are left on more hopeful notes mm
1: hmm yeah.
0: Um. That and is this really is
1: definitely really like,
0: is. yeah, you, you, you leave, you know, at the, the very end of this episode is easy company on a truck and they, they think they're going to rest, but they're not. <laughs> but at least they don't have to walk, you know, and yeah. Lipton is sharing a cigarette with Loz and...
1: Yeah, and they're shouting at dogs or whatever company it was for shitting in their foxhole. Mm. Which I also think is really nice because, again, it's one of those moments where it's like, we're just not going to recognize the bad parts of this. We're not going to yeah. recognize the circumstances that led to you rather shitting in the foxhole than getting out for 15 seconds to like, <laughs> not have to stew in your own feces. Um, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to mock you for having to walk. Yeah. Because that's reasonable, I guess.
3: And is, yeah. is it Bull that, that does it? Who's like, have a good walk. Yeah, that's Bull. Yeah, I
1: think that's Bull. Like,
3: I, I just love that because he's not necessarily like the loudmouth, but the fact that he was like. He can get a little bit shitty. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm just gonna, you know what? I need this. Have yeah. a good walk. Guys, that's like, I like just
1: that scene of, of like you have Lipton just kind of enjoying a cigarette in the sunshine, like, yeah, this is alive. Yeah. Where it's like, <laughs> what is going on? Are we just not gonna talk about this? Like, yeah, of course we're not because if we did, it would break us. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you I see, see. In the interviews, like at the start of this, I think it's Malaki who bursts into tears. And mm-hmm. that was 50 years, 60 years after this. And he was still crying over it. Like, as much as I would love for them all to just get some ter- therapy immediately, there are just some things that you kind of can't talk about when you have a job to do.
0: Yeah. Um, But that's, you know, that's where... Sp- 7 leaves off and it it's a very traumatic no. ride but again it does end on a slightly even if momentarily positive
1: note yeah i mean i think that where i'm standing on it is that episode 7 is the worst like mm-hmm. no matter what happens in 8 9 and 10 they've gotten through the worst of it now yeah. Like combat this wise. baptism by fire moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh which is funny because it's not a place that they had jumped into. Yeah. I always find it ironic that they are paratroopers. Um and this is the one time that like well the first time I guess that they actually like were hooked up with <sighs> uh the line um and they had reinforcements that could come in and like they had supplies like episode seven they Patton has broken the line and they actually got um a lot more of their supplies and people and things um and like that being the episode that is the breaking point um is kind of an interesting little easy company paradox that, like, the first time they don't jump into somewhere is, like, the <laughs> worst
0: one. Well, that's what they're trained to do. The, that's, that's what they know. And when they're not doing it, it's, uh, it's a bad time.
1: Yeah. They're, they're trained to be on the move. They're trained to be the guys to come in. Like, again, they're special ops. They're trained to come in, do their job, do some hardcore fighting, and then get out of there. They're not trained to be sitting ducks in a field yeah. somewhere. It's a really mm-hmm. good point you just yeah. pulled up there. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Um, so
0: I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna call it. I think that's that's a good yeah. summation of, you know, the the pain and misery. of <laughs> Episode seven. Um. So oh, I'm goodness. gonna, I'm we gonna got say through
1: it, guys. We yeah, did. we
0: did. It took us like almost three hours, but we did it. <laughs> 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 I didn't mean that as a challenge.
1: Um <laughs> You gotta let the other guys know we're doing double passes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh thank you to Kate. Oh yeah, of course. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you to Kate like for all that you've been on <laughs> and all the everything that you've done. Um, thank you to Laura. Welcome. And thank you to Maria.
1: It was my pleasure. Really. All right.
0: And we will see you guys in episode eight where I can't have a Webster embargo. All right. Bye. (laughs)